Eagles Entertainment. Everything that move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right of the day. We've got another win to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 476. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Greg Cosell, but another Eagles victory. The Eagles now 3-0. We're going to talk through the run game, the offensive line. We're going to go to the defense, talk about the front. We're going to talk about the back end. We're going to preview Sunday's game against the Washington Commanders as well. Before we get there, I want to make sure I remind you guys, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. You know the deal by now. Also, make sure you head on over to the Eagles YouTube page. Check out the All-22 review. Uh, I break down everything I see on both sides of the football. You don't want to miss that. That should be up. Middle of the day on Tuesday. So depending on when you listen to this, it may already be up on the Eagles YouTube page. So a lot of the plays that Greg and I are talking about tonight, uh, you can make sure you go check out uh, as you're listening to this over on the Eagles YouTube page. Again, that is the All-22 Review. That said, let's get to our chat with Greg in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, back again here for Chalk Talk, my friend Greg Cosell, to talk through the Eagles uh, after their week three win over the Tampa Bay Bucks, one of three teams now remaining at 3-0. Greg, uh, this is a good football team. You know, Fran, it's a really good football team. And, you know, last year I think they took us all by surprise with the start and, you know, the way they played. We were totally uncertain as to what the Eagles would be a year ago. We were all uncertain about Jalen Hurts. You know, there was just a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know. Now after last year, we kind of know that they're good. But I got to tell you, when I watch them with their O-line and their D-line, and w- when you have an O-line and a D-line like that, I-, I think you're in every single game. I mean, yeah. crazy things would have to happen not to be in games and not to control games. And with that group, it's on, on each side. It's, I mean, it's a pleasure to watch. Those guys, I think the combination of both, and, and you know, I don't want anybody, you know, maybe someone's going to say, well, no, this team. But I can't think of a team that when you combine those two, would be better than the Eagles right now. And that's the thing is that when you've got the ability to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football, that's always going to give you a chance. And it's, it's going to feel repetitive as, as it has over the years, right? Because this isn't the first time the Eagles have had a good O-line and D-line. Um, but, you know, we go into every matchup and it's like, okay, well, the Eagles have to feel good about their matchup against the opposing offensive line. Or, you know what, uh, this offensive line against the, the opposing D-line, like, all right, that, that's going to be something the Eagles should be able to win that matchup. If that's your starting point, you're going to win more games than you lose right off the and, bat. And then after and, that, it's all about what the other guys can do. And the other thing, too, is sometimes, particularly on offense, because of the run game, it doesn't look sexy, you know? And and watching it, because, you know, most most of the time people think great offense is in the passing game, particularly in today's NFL. Right. You know, so it doesn't appear to be sexy to most fans. But, you know, as I'm watching, it reminds me of Moneyball with Billy Bean when, they, you know, he was trying to change the way the athletics had to compete and, you know, they're talking about certain kinds of players. And he said, hey, guys, we're not selling jeans here. You know, it's it's not about being pretty. You know, they have a great O-line. They're clearly working through some things on offense in the past game, which will come, I'm sure, over time. But you know what? When you can line up and dominate the opposing defensive front in your run game, you know what? That has a lot of value. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. 
Right. And so let's talk about that because you mentioned it's not always uh, the most like beautiful, uh, the most beautiful display, right? If you're a fan of the past game and a fan of like fantasy football and you want to see the, the high flying uh, big plays down the field, which by the way, the Eagles had uh, in this game as well. Um, but when you're looking at the dominance in the run game and you know DeAndre Swift, he goes over the century mark in consecutive weeks for the first time in his career. When you look back to last week against Minnesota, it was all kind of like spamming the same inside zone, inside zone, yeah. inside zone. And to an extent, that's what this game was. But against this front, you were able to match things up a little bit because they they responded, right? They, they reacted and adjusted. So you saw some more uh, gap scheme. You saw gap scheme as the game counter. progressed, yep. and they did that well also. Yep. And so just having that ability to win in a lot of different ways on the on, with the rushing attack and say, OK, uh, you know, we're going we're going to lean into some of these gap schemes. We're going to go into the pistol. Uh, we're going to pull, you know, offensive linemen. We're going to get uh, the tight ends inserting as lead blockers. Like You start using all those different elements, which because that's the thing, too, is that the quarterback run element wasn't even necessarily a factor. You know, Jalen, not a hundred percent dealing with, uh, with an illness uh, reportedly uh, in this game. Uh, you know, they, they didn't necessarily lean into that uh, either as in this game. No, no. And, and, you know, it's so funny because, you know, I don't know how you feel when you watch tape, but when I watch tape and I see a play call that works perfectly against what the defense was, what the defensive call was, I always think to myself, did they know when I say no, you know, it's always high tendency, high Prob- probability, yeah. but did they, did they feel, you know, 90% that that's what they were going to get? Like, I'll give you a great example. The swift 14 yard run to start the second possession. Okay. It caught the bears in disguised late rotation to cover two invert. So the three stack defenders all were sinking for mm-hmm. depth at the snap. And and therefore, you know, Swift ran through a hole that you and I could have run through. And Kelsey, he was he, it was a fold block and he was looking for White, but White was going to be the middle hole defender and he was just retreating. So Kelsey really didn't have anybody to block, you know. So I, when I see a play like that, I think to myself, you know, did they have a sense that that's what they were going to get or did it just turn out that way? But right. it obviously turned out to be a great play call against the play call by by Todd Bowles and his defense. Yeah, for uh, all of our listeners who you know either follow people or are these people themselves that you know think of analytics as like a new age thing in football, as if like probabilities and tendencies have not been the fabric of game planning. So as, uh, oh, as far since, as far back, oh, back as it goes. since Paul Brown was coaching, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, I know from coaches that coached in like the seventies, literally like you take the reels of film and say, okay, let's, let's put all the times that the team ran, uh, you know, lined up in one back sets. Okay. What do they run out of these one back sets? How often do they do it? Do they right. is it run, run left, run, right. Is it gap scheme? Is it zone scheme? All the different, dif- uh, different probabilities are all thrown in there for every single facet of the game. And so, uh, you're leaning into those tendencies as you construct your game plan, uh, on a weekly basis. Um, you know, with that in mind, uh, let's talk through a little bit more DeAndre. Swift because uh, I thought he, he I mean look he had a couple more explosives right he had uh, two 20 plus yard runs in this game uh, there were a few like there were some where he was he was like trying to find it you know pick and find his hole but yep. I thought he also had some like really like dirty yards as well where he kind of st- got square got downhill there was one there was like an eight yarder in the red zone that stood out to me there were a couple counter runs in the second half uh, that stand out where uh, you know he was decisive and he hit the hole hard and it's like yeah when, when a guy who is that explosive trusts it you know, it's not going for two yards. Like it's going to go for six. It's going to go for eight. It's going to go for no, 12. You're right. Uh, and so I'm not those, trying to remember the run. I think it was only eight or nine. It might've been a gap scheme run as well, where he kind of ran through the tackle of, of Ryan Neal, the safety. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, he's, 
you know, it's funny. I went back and I reread as I was watching the tape. I reread my evaluation of of Swift coming out. And um, I know you liked him as well when he came yep. out of Georgia. Obviously, Georgia doesn't have, you know, just one feature back. So, you know, it's not as if he had 250 or 300 carries in sure. one season at Georgia. And you wouldn't view him as a true, you know, foundation back. But, you know, I remember and, and I looked, so it's fresh in my mind, that I thought his traits suggested two NFL players, uh, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. Because, he, you know, he's a really good receiver as well, which we haven't seen a lot of. Um uh, but, you know, his I thought coming out, his traits and attributes could be deployed in similar ways to those guys as runners and receivers. And, you know, we may see more of that. Look, he's second in the league in rushing right now. You're right. Yeah, after I, playing what, after. like 19 snaps week one and carrying the ball once? Yeah, yeah, two touches in week one and uh, yeah. second in the league in rushing. So, um, the, you know, the big plays have certainly been there so far for DeAndre Swift. Uh, just really quickly addressing the offensive line in the run game. Uh, I thought we saw some good stuff from Lane Johns. Really across the board, it felt like everybody was kind of, uh, uh, you know, enjoying the party. I thought Jurgens had some really good individual plays as well. Especially early, I thought in the in the first yes. quarter, you know, first couple drives, he had a couple of really nice one on one blocks. There were some where he had against Vita Vea. Uh, there was some really good stuff from from Cam Jurgens in this game. The first run of the game was eight yards on outside zone by Swift, yep. and I thought uh, Jurgens had an outstanding one on one block on the three technique, uh, Mike Green. Yes, I actually wrote that in my notes as well. Um, it, he had a, a couple impressive one-on-one displacements. Lane Johnson working the double teams with Dallas Goddard again showed up. Jason Kelsey working uh, in tandem with his guard showed up. Landon Dickerson had a couple uh, really nice, whether it was one-on-one in the zone run game or uh, as a uh, as a kickout player uh, on, the, on some of those counter plays as you well. You know, what stands out to me is the cohesion. Because, you know, I was fortunate, as you did a year or so ago, to go to the O-line masterminds this year and to hear all these you know, former O-linemen, some Hall of Famers like the Steve Hutchinsons of the world, just talk about cohesion. And yeah. you rarely see with the Eagles O-line, which you see with other teams, and I, I I know I see more of the rest of the league than you do, you rarely ever see with the Eagles guys, you know, where after a, a run play, like they look at each other like, well, should I have blocked him or should you have blocked him? Or, you know, you rarely ever see that. Yep. I think the cohesion element, and particularly with Jurgens being a new starter, is truly remarkable. I mean, that speaks to coaching. It speaks to the individuals as players. But you just don't see confusion or hesitancy as to who to block when they have combos and have to work to the second level. They do it with excellent timing and awareness. You know, it's just it's it's really, you know, if you're an, if you're a run game aficionado, it's really kind of a joy to watch. Yeah. And you know what's funny too? I was thinking that in, in during this game as I'm walking through and just taking, you know, taking notes and watching through. And once you got to like, because you saw that Todd Bowles was mixing things up early on with some of his looks, whether it was, you know, hey, there's there were a couple where he dropped three and all right, we're gonna do some uh some middle of the field open coverages, we're gonna do middle of the field close, we're gonna throw some man, we're gonna do some zone. Then they reached this one point. I want to say it was like the third, fourth drive where every play was blitz, 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 blitz. Oh, they blitz. blitzed a lot, yeah. They blitzed yeah. a lot once they got to, like, it was right right around that point in the game. But in all of those blitzes, the Eagles' offensive line blocked things up. Where it, And they disguised the blitz as well, Tampa Bay. Was, I don't and, recall ever a free rusher. At, at no, her. that's what I got to a yeah. certain point, and I was like, yeah, they, they while they've been blitzing Antoine Winfield, and they're blitzing eyes in, and, oh, here comes Levante David. Oh, here comes Devin White. Oh, they disguise well. Oh, here comes Ryan Neal. Oh, they're sounding the nickel and the safety off the you know the double rifle off of each side. Every single time, 
it was all blocked up. And it's funny because you know, we just had uh, Jeff Stoutland in last week. And anytime I have Coach Stout in, uh, whether it's you know breaking down film or on the podcast, and he talks about Jason Kelsey, and he's like, he always gets these guys lined up. He all he has such yeah, a, an mean, innate feel, the spatial awareness, being able to read things pre-snap and just kind of like calculate everything in his head in the you know 15 seconds he's got to be able to do it and get the protection set. And we never get burned. And that, that's it's in this game. I thought it was a great example. The it's funny the only time really that hurts got hit was when actually Kelsey very rarely missed a pass pro block and Gaines beat him and, yep. and it hurts on a deep throw. But yep. other than that, I mean, I don't remember hurts really taking, you know, shots in the pocket. No, uh, that's what, that was one of the things that really stood out to me uh, in this game. Yeah, it was, no, it's, uh, it's, it's funny you say that. This O-line is, is again, I, you know, I've learned a lot about O-line play just through the years, being able to speak with O-line coaches and, you know, because O-line, it's not a normal position as, you know, getting, no. getting back to the O-line masterminds and then our friend Duke Mannyweather starts out by talking about, you know, it's abnormal. Guys don't start playing football by putting their hand in the ground, you know, so it's an abnormal position. But, you know, t- to be able to see these guys work together, I-, I think is is really remarkable. And they do it as well, if not better than any team in the league. Let's talk through the rest of the pass game. Obviously, there's some yards and plays left on the field, right? It's again wasn't like a, a perfect day from the pass game. Far from it. Uh, Nick Sirianni said after the game, like we're still working through things and looking to improve, and we're going to continue to do that. It's good that we're able to stack wins and we're able to lean into running the football in the meantime and put ourselves in position to win these games. But uh, I thought we saw some, you know, some big time throws from Jalen Hurts at times in this game. Uh, the touchdown to, Z- to Zacchaeus was a, a great example of one, certainly. Um, but then you even go to AJ Brown. We saw some good stuff. To Devontae Smith, we saw some really nice routes, some nice plays um, from Smith. So that guy's uh, I think we're, we're seeing flashes runner. of all these guys just about putting it together. Yeah, he's a great, great route runner, Devontae Smith. I mean, I think he caught a, an out route at the far sideline. Um, oh, where a little stutter, the stutter, the stutter, little stutter and then yeah. the ability to stop is, is you know, and as as you recall from, and I know I've mentioned his name before, but you guys spoke to him at the um, at the combine, I'm sure, and uh, or at, at the yeah, probably at the combine, but TJ Hushmanzada talking about receivers and yeah. their ability to stop for a long strider and a long-legged guy. Devonta Smith has a great ability to stop with very, very few steps. Yep, uh, and you know, so he allows them to, to create that separation. Uh, and AJ, the Eagles so far this year have not been great from a yards after catch standpoint. That has not been, uh, and that's been something they've been really strong with in yes. years past. But this year, that that has not been a hallmark through the first two games. In this game, we saw that pop up a little bit more. And typically, it was with AJ Brown. Uh, there, there was the the shallow cross, a little mesh yeah. route. Great job by Jack Stoll, uh, setting that rub uh, for him underneath. Um, but then also AJ creating on his own, like little drop steps to get vertical right after the catch. Uh, using the stiff arm, just that, that play strength showing up. So the yards after catch element uh, showing its head. Uh, yeah, its I mean, well. I think we both agree. And and I think you said Nick Sir- Sirianni even addressed it himself. So they all know, obviously, if you and I know, they know. Right. They, they have more information than we have that the passing game is still a little bit of work in progress now. But you have to assume because they're all veterans. It's not as if it's all new people or anything like that. You know, um, it'll come it's just you know it's every season is new don't forget teams because the eagles offense was so so good a year ago they spent all off season studying this offense so you know the eagles will work through this let's keep in mind brian johnson who i think is doing an unbelievable job by the way but he's also new at this calling games in the nfl so he's working through how he wants to go about it with the offense so you know the great thing is you they're so good as a team that they can win games while this is happening 
Well, let's go over to the other side because I, I thought there was a real – I spent a lot of time watching the defense this morning. Uh, There's just a lot to take away, not just from the, the rush, but uh, on the back end as well. Uh, I'll let you uh, I'll let you take the floor. Where do you want to start with this Eagles defense? I, I'm assuming it's going to be up front, but I want to – Well, I want to start, believe it or not, with what's something I did not expect to see, which was big nickel. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, and I, did, did Brown get hurt? He did. He had a thigh injury, uh, was questionable. I don't think he ever ended up coming back, and we're still kind of waiting to see. He did not play uh, in the second half because they did not play any snaps of big nickel in the second half. After playing, I didn't chart the number, but I would say it had to be 10, 12 snaps in the first half. Yeah, I can uh, I can get that. To you. If you want to talk about what you saw from Sidney Brown in that role. Uh, well, I, can, I was just I really interested to, to see him in that role because not only did they play big nickel, but they played big nickel uh, versus 11 personnel. Normally you think of, you know, a big nickel, which, by the way, for the audience means three safeties and two corners, as opposed to conventional nickel where you have three corners. So big nickel means three safeties, Brown being the third safety with Blankenship. And Edmonds came in because Evans got hurt in the, uh, later in the first quarter. Um, so, but, the, you know, I would have expected it for sure versus 12 personnel, but they played it in, uh, versus 11 they played it in long yardage at times so they clearly felt comfortable with Sidney Brown essentially being depending on the offensive formation a slot and overhang or a box defender being all those three things depending on what the Bucks formation showed all right so just looking at my notes uh, I charted it as we were going uh through the first four drives uh the Eagles played 26 snaps uh in those 26 snaps we had 12 snaps of big nickel and nine snaps of regular nickel. So there you so, go. I said ten or twelve. Yep, that was so, all anecdotal on my part, just yep. from watching the tape. Well, you, you've got a you've got a mind like a steel trap there, Greg. Well, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but that again, you can always start with their D line, as you said. I mean, yes. you, you can do that every single week. But right. that was something that I did not expect to see. Yeah. So, so, and that was a big question. Uh, hey, like Avante Maddox goes down. What is the nickel package going to look like? Uh, and as you mentioned, we saw Bradbury in the regular nickel. We saw uh, Sidney Brown in the. Which that uh, didn't surprise me, by the didn't mean to interrupt, but that didn't surprise me that Bradbury came inside. Especially seeing how Job played. You know, we, we talked last week on the show yep. about how Josh Job came in in his debut, his first start against Minnesota. And it wasn't perfect, but some really good signs of his development. And so you say, okay, well, we're going to give him a continued shot. And and that's the thing is that by playing in the big nickel as much as they did, you still, I mean, Bradbury got all those snaps where Sidney Brown was in the slot. Bradbury was the one that was outside. And, and so Correct. you still got to see plenty of James Bradbury uh, and you were just able Correct. to mix up those different looks. Another thing that I want to mention, and it's not the D-line, and you can certainly mention that because, like I said, you can do that every <laughs> single week. And I think people are probably not tired of it, not Eagles fans, but yes. I mean, they're great, um, is I really think Blankenship's a good football player. Yeah. And I know everybody's going to talk about the interception, which, by the way, was a great play. Great play. Great well, play. Can, we, can, we, can you uh, give us your take on that play real quick just for uh, for listeners? Uh, I, I think it's possible that I can do that just to dig into that steel trap mind uh <laughs> give us your recollection well um that came out of conventional nickel meaning they yep. had three corners and two safeties um i thought it was cover six i don't know what you i thought, thought so too cover. yep i wrote it down as cover, cover six. six meaning that it's cover two to the boundary and cover four to the field okay so blankenship was the quarters safety and you know, they had Evans as the X receiver. He was actually, Evans was to the field, not to the boundary, but he was the X receiver, the single receiver to that side. And I thought Blankenship initially looked to Evans. Peaked on it. See, yep. Hey, what kind of route is he going to run? And if he runs something that involves me being part of the coverage, hey, I'm there. 
But when he saw Evans was not a factor for him, he then got his eyes right to Mayfield, who took him to Godwin on the seam route from the other side. So I thought just the awareness of Blankenship, you know, and, and don't forget, everything I just explained happened in about a second and a half on the field. Yep, right. So I just thought it was great mental awareness and then a great physical reaction as well. So yeah. just a really good football play. Yeah, um, and then also like the play on the ball, like breaking on the throw and then a diving yeah, yeah, interception yeah. middle of the field, an outstanding job from Reed. And but, who also like it wasn't even like just that play as you I think you were getting ready to allude to it. Everyone will talk about the interception, but uh, some of the other things he did, like filling the alley. And then oh, I was just going to say that running the alley as a run defender and, and tackling, you know, we saw that last year in his starts. He's really, really good at that. I just think he's a really good football player. There's a uh, there's a, an episode of the Journey of the Draft podcast out there in the interweb somewhere, uh, Greg, where I remember I was having a uh, a debate with Dane Brugler and we were doing a segment on the show and uh, we were saying, OK, if you could have one guy to make a tackle in the open field, who is the entire country? Who do you got? And I went with a junior safety from Middle Tennessee State, Reed Blankenship. Uh, that is something that has been a, a, a wow. strength of my book for a long time. I don't often do. I'm not. A, I'm not a pat back, pat on the back kind of person there, Greg. But uh, I thought you would enjoy that one. And and um, I unfortunately didn't not get to watching him in college. He was one of the guys I just didn't you know make it to. And I know he was. Wasn't he a five year starter? He was. So I, I so I studied him his junior year, his true senior year, and then his fifth year senior. So I I, I watched a lot of so tape you, on Reed Blankenship. Yeah. So you knew him well. Um. And I just didn't get to him. But he's a really good football player. Yes. Um, you know. He, uh, and he reminds me a lot. Of the uh, of one of my good friends who I used to work with, Matt Bowen, if for people remember. That's a that's a that's a great comparison. Yeah. And Matt was a you know really good starter for a couple of years in the league, and just you know one of those guys did everything right and was physical. And um, you know I think I think Blankenship's the same way. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Matt probably has a breakdown up on uh, on Twitter or on X or whatever we're calling it. Right, uh, right, right, uh, right. Of that breakdown or of that interception from Reed Blankenship. So if you want to wax poetic about the D line, feel free because they're just really good. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. And that's the thing. So like we saw good reps from all these guys again, and the, oh, the yeah. defensive tackle rotation is just it's so so good. And they they've got a couple different combinations. Yeah. What stands out to me, you know, there was that two play sequence where Fletcher Cox and Jalen Carter combined for the sack, and then they come back on the next very next snap on second and twenty one, and Jalen Carter gets the the punch out right, gets the forced fumble. What I loved about those two snaps back to back is that on both plays, you saw both guys playing together, like off each other, right? Yes. Where one impacted uh, the other, and then you you kept going forward. So, uh, you know, on the first one, the offensive line slides towards Jalen Carter. He swims inside and he burrows Hainsey back the center back into the quarterback's lap. He then Cox plays off of that. He loops around. They both combine for the sack, and then on the next play. They run a TE stunt and Fletcher Cox gets into the passing lane and kind of forces Baker Mayfield to, to double clutch and step up into the pocket. And that's when uh, he dumps off to the check down and then Carter makes the play. Like just being able to see those guys work off each other. Fletcher Cox is playing really, really well. I feel like that's kind of getting lost in the, the, the He's hype playing really about well. Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. I'll tell you the play that stood out to me. It was um, second and 10 on the Bucks' second quarter field goal drive. So they did get a field goal. Yep. The Bucks spread the formation. It was like watching Tennessee football, where they went plus, you know, plus split two by two stacks outside the numbers. Yep. You remember this play? I do. And Davis made a big time play in the run game because they wanted to try to lighten the box a little bit, create some space, and run the ball. Yep. Uh, and 
Davis just controlled and displaced the left guard filer and tackled Tucker for two yards. But that play really stood out to me because tactically the Bucks really, you know, they spread everything out intentionally. Like I said, it was like watching the University of Tennessee with Josh Heupel, you know, and what they do. And uh, Davis just made a big time play. Yeah, it was the old uh, like Chip Kelly double stack. Uh, right. You know, inside outside, zone the, read. outside the numbers. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, Jordan Davis was excellent. I actually wrote down, I thought Fletcher was really good from the backside on that play, too. Um, you know, it's it's just fun watching those guys go to work. And, and all for all three of them, Cox, Davis uh, and obviously Jalen Carter all showed up big time in this game. And, and Although, they're, you know, still stunting a lot more. I mean, yep. I love the uh, third and 13 where the uh, Reddick aligned is the off the ball joker in the middle of the defense. And he basically looped behind Cox. Cox in one stunt and there was a TE stunt to the other side. I mean, they're stunting far more than they did a year ago. Yeah. And then there was the other one. There was a, uh, the five D line front, uh, on the third and long that Baker Mayfield launched over the top. Right. And, uh, that was a three man game where Hassan Reddick was lined up on the left side. He loops inside and yep. Nolan Smith ends up getting home for the, uh, for the big hit, uh, on Baker Mayfield. But again, just kind of showing some of that post snap movement there from the defensive front. No, it's, it's, it's a fun defense to watch those guys. I mean, like I said, after a while, it's like, Hey, these guys are really good. And, you know, we'll probably have this conversation a lot every week. I think so. And also while we're talking about like the, the movement as well, it's not just pass game. And that's the thing that will get lost a little bit in some of these, uh, no. uh, you know, the, 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 the number sites and looking at the, the, the different rates for things I mean, is the run stunts. The run blitzing is, it was very effective in this game too. Yeah. And just the way they dominate up front. I mean, look, the bucks wanted to try to run the ball and they, on first down in particular, they knew the they needed to, and we'll get to them in a second. They will try the same. And I think uh, white had eight first down rushes. He did have a 12 yard run, but Late. other than that, and I know yep. it counts in the stats, but yep. other than that, he had seven first down rushes for 10 yards. Yep. That's not the way to sustain offense. And that's the thing is that you, if you're going into this matchup and you feel like you know, this is a matchup with the Eagles, if you're going into a matchup with the Eagles and you're worried about your O line holding up, like you have to be able to run the ball. You have to be able because you don't want to drop back. 50 times and straight drop back against not by choice no, no no not, <laughs> not by choice, by choice. No. so uh, you know and that's uh, the eagles know this uh, and yeah. so the way that they're able to play the run um and th- th- that's why that's what i was alluding to too is like just their ability to create some of those negative plays I and mean, we saw the safety down in the and, goal line uh morrow had a tfl for minus two early on one final yeah and, and i think cunningham's a really good run defender he is he's playing really well against the run playing downhill very very yeah, well yeah um, so that's absolutely a strength. Uh, Slay, I thought had another good game. Uh, that's a, they're just, they're just playing. They're playing really well at all. It's a really good team, and that's how I started with this. I mean, you know, obviously we always want to talk about the specifics, but they're just a really, really good team. And they'll in, in your building, they'll tell you offensively they're nowhere near what they know they can be, and they still can win games relatively handily. Let's go to uh, their their upcoming matchup here against the Washington Commanders. Um, the feeling with this team was much different uh, four days ago than it is right now, right? They were they were two and zero. Sam Howell was like the love of like football Twitter, uh, and then they come against the Buffalo Bills, nine sacks and four picks later, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's Washington. They're you know they're, they're, what, what, how good is this offense? But uh, I think if you look at the tape on the on the whole over the course of the season, uh, you might be prone to thinking that this past Sunday was more of a throwaway game. Uh, what was your thought after watching the offense this week? Ah. Uh- I like Sam Howell and I, you know, again, we live in a social media world. So everybody responds to, you know, everything immediately. And it's, it's, it's play by play. You know, he, he was in his fourth NFL start. 
it's going to happen. He was playing yep. against a veteran defensive coach in Sean McDermott, who we all know in you know from his days in Philly. Jim Johnson was the one who taught him. So these games are going to happen. You know, it's like Stroud. Stroud's playing great football right now for the Houston Texans. He's going to have a clunker coming up somewhere along the line because yep. he's a rookie quarterback. You know, that's going to happen. But I think overall, Sam Howell has shown a lot more positive than negative. But then again, having said that, uh, re- relating back to the point you made, there's no way against this defense with that old line that they can ask him to drop back 40 plus times by choice. If yep. it gets to that, then it's going to be, you know, I don't know how many sacks they'll be, but it's not, it's not going to be a fun afternoon for Sam Howell and he probably won't look very good. No, uh, you know, in you know, Minnesota a couple weeks ago, they were dealing with backups, New England week one, they were dealing with backups. This team, this this is their starting five, right? And, and they're just they, they did not perform well against uh, the Buffalo Bills. There's no, lots they of did stats not. out there. You can go and look. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure Next Gen Stats said that uh, that Howell was pressured on 68 or 69 percent of his dropbacks, and that was like the record for uh, in the Next Gen era. Like he was just under fire the entire game, and some of that is on him, right? Like he, no. there are t- he's gonna he's gonna hold the ball, and it's a, a double edged sword because he'll hang in the pocket, and he made some big time throws. Even last week, like well, he made that one throw on that deep out route uh, late in the game, where he's like, "Man, like uh, that's what you want." Uh, but he's he's got to get rid of the ball fast. No, and I think consistent. he'll learn that. Yep. I, I remember speaking to him at the combine um, the year he came out because I'd gotten to know him a little bit, and you know he's a tough kid and he knows that about himself that he you know he wants to make it all happen. You know, in some ways, his his mindset is like a Josh Allen. He thinks he's going to make something happen on every single play. And somewhere along the line in the NFL, you have to learn that that can't happen. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that when you're looking at it from a skill set standpoint, you know, quick over the top release, he's, yeah. he's got a strong arm. Uh, he's got some athleticism. He can create a little bit. So you know, the Eagles have to keep him contained from that standpoint. He can, he can do that. Um, you know, anything else that kind of stands out that we haven't hit on when it comes to his skill set? No, I mean, I, well, I just want to mention that, you know, obviously you saw it too. The throw he made to McLaurin for the touchdown against Denver was ridiculous. That was not a third. Yeah. That was not a third start throw. You know, no. that was a, a big time throw. Um, and, and, you know, so he's got traits. Now, obviously, the, the other thing is we spoke about their O-line. It's it's really not very good. You know, we don't need to spend time with each guy. It, it's just an average at best by NFL standards O-line. But yeah. they do have really good skill position players. And if by chance they can execute their offense to some degree. Look, is it possible Brian Robinson has one long run? Because that can always happen. Yeah. But they're not likely to, you know, it's not likely Robinson's going to get 22 for 150. That's not likely to happen against the Eagles. I think we know that. Um, but if they can s- sustain to some degree, Fran, they do have weapons on the outside that, you know, that are, are tough. I mean, you know, Dots at McLaurin's really, really good. He's not talked about enough. Yeah. Um, I know in Philly they know him just because he's made big plays against the Eagles all sure. through the years. Um, but McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel, those are good receivers. And Cole Turner, the big kid from Nevada, They're who was Carson them. Strong's receiver, um, he's actually an intriguing guy as a receiver. 
Yeah, he's a, an inline tight end that they, they they he's more of a pass catcher than a blocker. Obviously, yeah. a 6'6", 240. and the they'll line him up at Eck Iso, and we'll go to him. Like, I think he's, yeah. he's kind of used that way in that offense. And you, you talked about Brian Robinson, the running back, second year out of Alabama, former third round pick. Um, you know, this is a big guy. Depending on when you look, which uh, which metric you look at, he's going to be near the top of the list in most of like the yards after contact and the the miss force miss tackle rate. Like all those metrics are going to favor Brian Robinson. And I I go go back to the last time these two teams played, which was in the middle of last year. What was it? Early November, uh, in prime time, Monday Night Football. And Washington was able to give the Eagles their first loss of the year. And a big part of that was their ability to stay ahead of the sticks. They did the the run game. It was a I remember that was a big topic of conversation. Was oh they they ran the ball down the Eagles' throats. And it was like well they didn't run the ball all that great. The Eagles actually were very good at like stopping the run in this game. But it was more that they just they did just enough. Right. To get them into third and manageable, then it's third and four, and you give up six. And it's like, oh, they, they ran it for two yards. And that's the key in this game for them. That's the that's formula. That, because, like we said, Robinson's not likely to, you know, break a 100-yard barrier, you know, unless he, flukily, he has, you know, a couple of long runs. But he's not going to get six, seven, eight yards on every run. That's not going to happen. Yep. So the key is just enough, like you said, and particularly with how – having some ability to make plays with his legs. If you're in third and three or third and four, then they've got a chance. Yeah. You know, if they're in third and eights and third and nines, that's a tough deal. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's really what it comes to. If you're talking like keys to the game for the Eagles defense, it is like, uh, you know, don't let the run game get going and then like force Howell to hold on to the football and, and take some sacks. Right. Like, uh, and that's a, a coverage thing and a, uh, and a rush thing. I thought the Eagles back end was really good in this game against Tampa, forcing Baker Mayfield off of his first read. Yeah. Do that same thing here in this game. And I think that that's going to, uh, you know, paint an early picture for success. So um, that's something to watch. Certainly. That's I know the Eagles don't necessarily do this Fran, but I love the Bernard sack on third and nine, you know, uh, this past week. Um, yeah, you, you probably remember the play. I just thought yep. it was a great scheme, a tremendous scheme. Yeah, and that's it'll be fascinating to see what they decide to do from that standpoint. Let's go to the other side. Uh, let's talk through Washington's defense. And typically, the the conversation starts right with, with this front: four first round picks and Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. All four guys healthy. Uh, two weeks ago, they were they were the star of the show. They had always like twenty five pressures uh, against the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson uh, this week against Buffalo. Uh, just did not uh, create enough no, for them in, you know, defensively in that game. No, and that was kind of surprising because, you know, the Buffalo line is a little bit of a work in progress. They're playing a rookie at right guard in Torrance. I think a player we both like coming out, but he's still a rookie. Um, and they really were not able to generate much pressure at all. Now, the Bills do a lot, you know, since that week one loss um, where Josh Allen threw the three picks. The Bills yep. have really gone to kind of trying to get the ball out of his hand, not having him be in the pocket as long. But still, they were not able to generate any meaningful pressure at all. Yeah. But of those four guys, uh, Young, Sweat, Allen, Payne, has there been one that has stood out to you most uh, through the first three weeks? Is there one that, that you feel like has the, the you no, have to circle I, him going into the matchup? Um, I mean, no, not really. I mean, no one I, that I can remember from these first three games, and I've seen all three with their defense, um, you know, they have their moments. I mean, look, I think Allen and Payne in any given game can be dominant. Yep. Um, you know, whether that happens against the Eagles. I mean, for Cam Jurgens, this will be a, a tougher matchup, you know, against one of those guys and both those guys because um, they'll try to create some one-on-ones. Um, but, you know, Young is just starting to round into form. I think he played 
40 plus snaps a week before and over 50 this week. And you will see if, you know, he rounds into form because he's got a really good skill set. So powerful, so yeah, much. explosive, powerful, big body kid. Yeah. Like, you can push the pocket on you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but no, I don't think any one guy has stood out, but they're, they're all capable of being great any given game. So, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, they're not very good this year. You know, they, they're capable of being great any given game. I want to get to the secondary, but real quick, we might as well just bridge it with the with the linebackers. Uh, Cody Barton is the every down linebacker for them. Yep. Uh, free agent came over from Seattle, former third round pick out of Utah. Kind of a do everything. He doesn't have like a special trait. He is their green dot guy, um, but he's got good eyes in the running pass game. Uh, they'll, they'll match him up with backs at tight ends at times. Uh, he actually made a nice play in coverage. Who was it? Was it against Diggs? Uh, he had a, he matched up with somebody down the seam in this game in the red zone. And I made a play in the end zone. Um, you remember, I remember the exact but yeah, play? Uh, but and uh, I remember him last year in Seattle where he played a ton as a starter. And he sure. he's, he's a real solid NFL linebacker. Yeah, and we we talked about Jameen Davis, who was a first round pick for them a couple of years ago. I actually think he might be playing his best football right now. And there are some still some eye violations in running pass game that that still happens. But I think um, the the issue, my guess with him for them is with his size and athleticism, he's not an impact playmaker type. He, he's become a pretty good player, right? But I think with his size and length and athletic movement, you were hoping he'd be an impact playmaker type. Now maybe he'll still get there but he's not quite that guy right now. I remember his final year at Kentucky, like he had a couple picks. He had a pick oh, six. I remember yeah. the picks, you know, he was all over the field for them. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that's certainly what they're hoping for. Let, let's, that's, that's, let's talk through the secondary because I, I think this is a, a really intriguing group. Uh, you've got the veteran corner and Kendall Fuller. Um, they had a young guy in Benjamin St. Juice, who I thought came on midway through last year, Greg. I, I was, I, I was like really him impressed a lot. With him. Uh, he's a big kid, 6'3", 200 pounds, really athletic. He can get in and out of breaks. He can shadow receivers and man. He's got the ability to finish on the ball. He can play inside and outside. And he's used right now in their regular nickel and in their dime. He'll kick inside. When they go to big nickel, that's where Cameron Curl comes in, and he'll play in the right, slot, but, but and St. Juice starts, kicks out. St. Juice starts outside in their, yep. in their base, you know, their big nickel in their base. Yeah, so uh, so he gives them that kind of versatility. When he does kick inside, that's where the rookie first-round pick, Emmanuel Forbes, comes into play. And Forbes, yep. for our listeners who don't know, he was their first-round pick this year out of Mississippi State, 6'1", 166 pounds. He is rail thin, but this guy, he is a ball-hawking corner. He set the FBS record for most pick sixes in his career uh, with the Bulldogs. So this is a guy that knows how to finish on the football. He's already got a pick this year, uh, so he's got a, a ball-hawking skill set. Uh, but... You're going to give up some of that from a play strength standpoint. Uh, he has showed up a couple of missed tackles so far uh, on tape. So, um, uh, you know, those are the, I would say the, the big players there from their, from their secondary standpoint. Um, yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, uh, but it's interesting that Forbes is not the starter when they're in, you know, that St. Houston Fuller are when they're in their, their, you know, their big nickel. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I've always liked Cameron Curl. You know, when they play big you nickel, have, yeah. he's predominantly in the box or overhang yep. where, you know, where Forrest and um, uh, and Butler per- are, Percy are Butler, normally yep. normally the back end guys. Yeah. So the Forrest made a bunch of plays for them last year. Curl was he was hurt to start the year. Right. Yep. So uh, Forrest had a he had a multi interception game early in the year. Uh, it was just always kind of around the football. And then Percy Butler, uh, he is kind of a long, like rangy free safety type uh, plays in their big nickel as that third safety, primarily downfield in the post, uh, tested very, very well uh, coming out of Louisiana, uh, go, coming out of college in 2022. So, um, you know, this is a guy that's got that kind of sideline to sideline range. Yeah. They, they drafted a DB, Sidney Brown's teammate, Quan Martin, Jatavius Martin uh, in the second round this year, but 
so far uh, has not really been a factor on defense. He looks like he might be taking a little bit of a redshirt year so far. Yeah, so far. And and I liked his tape a lot, actually, coming yep. out. Um, you know, he, he played multiple positions at Illinois. I'm one, uh, I'm wondering how they see him if he does get healthy and they, they feel that he can play. But you could be right. It could be a redshirt year. Heavy amount of zone coverage, uh, yep. like heavy co- cover four, not a ton of cover one re- in relative to the rest of the league, right? It's not a, a big man coverage team. Um, you know, it's, a lot you're of split able- safety, a lot of split safety. Yep. So th- those are the kind of coverages you're dealing with. That said, um, you know, and they're, they're also like they're not a big. They play kind of the way that the Eagles do from a from that standpoint, where it's like uh, it's not a lot of press. But the guys are physical mid route, and they contest a lot of throws. And so uh, all those DBs that we talked about, like they're they're going to challenge AJ Brown, they're going to challenge Devonte Smith. Uh, we'll see if Quez Watkins is ready to go, or if it'll be Zacchaeus again in the slot. But uh, that will be a matchup to watch in this game. Yeah, and they've got good size at corner, so they can do that because St. Yep. Just is big. Fuller's got good size for a corner. Um, obviously Forbes is 166, but he's long, so you know he's got length. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're. It's kind of an odd defense because they count on their front four to really be the driving force of what they do. They're not a high percentage pressure defense. Yep. Um, and their front four has to come through. Their front yeah. four has to be the driving force of, of pressuring the quarterback. Well, Greg, uh, it's going to be a fun game uh, to take in. The first of just three one o'clock games for the Eagles uh, this 2023 season as we sit here today happens on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Greg, we'll be back Monday night to talk about it. It'll be a discussion for us then. Thanks so much for joining us once again here on Chalk Talk. Thanks, Rand. Appreciate it. All right, great stuff there from Greg. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.